Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston. If you believe in equal pay for women and minorities, this episode is for you. If you've ever been involved in negotiating your own compensation and you just didn't know how to get what you deserve, this episode is for you. And if you want to be confident and empowered the next time you find yourself negotiating the best compensation package, this episode is definitely for you. In the spotlight, the founder of Equal Pay Negotiations. She's a pay equity expert, and I think she's a trailblazer in her field. Her name is Katie Donovan, and this is her story. Katie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Candy. So I was thinking the other day, I had a little bit of a brainstorm, and I thought it might be fun to do a quick lightning round of questions that would give our listeners a glimpse into your personality before we even start our interview. Are you game? I'm game. Okay, here we go. Ready? Don't think too hard about it. Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks? Starbucks. Morning person or night owl? Night. Outgoing or shy? Combo. Only child, oldest child, middle? Middle. Always on time, often late? Usually on time. Beach, lake, mountains? Beach. Romantic, practical? Practical. There's a snapshot. Now it's time for us to tell your story. You started a movement to ban the use of salary history in hiring and compensation decisions. Massachusetts passed the bill eventually that you drafted. Take me back to drafting the bill, why it mattered so much to you. Well, it goes back to 2011. I had just started doing some side work of, oh, I'll help some women negotiate their pay. Just a little side gig. And I was contacted by an executive producer for a documentary. The documentary never got released, but they asked me the question, if you could write policy, what would it be? And I never thought about policy. I just thought I'd help some ladies negotiate pay. I knew jobs should have the pay of the job actually in the advertisement. For some reason, it's okay that the most important financial decision for 99% of us is a blind decision. Drives me crazy. Yeah. And the other part was, well, if we're trying to close the gender pay gap, why do we use the underpayment to determine the future payment? Right. Mathematically, we'll never get there. So those two things were my instant answer. Kill salary history and stop posting pay in jobs. And no one was talking about it. And I said, well, it's never going to happen unless I do it. <laughs> I took a million little steps in a million different ways, connected with the right people, got involved with MassNow, their legislative task force, pitched the idea for the bill to them. They said, yeah, go for it. And you had their support. <laughs> yep. And partnered with the Women's Bar Association, with the Mass Commission on the Status of Women. Oh, yes. And then we all had a bigger bill. But salary history definitely was my baby. Still haven't given up on getting jobs to include the pay in their advertisements. So that is still work that needs to be done. But I'm happy that right now 13 states have either bans through law or through executive orders on salary history. So it's really about 20% of the population now is impacted by that. You must be pretty proud of that. I'm pretty cool with it. Was, yeah. it, was it worth all that work? <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's so much more to this story. Tell me, what is your mission, Katie? My mission is to make sure whoever works in whatever job they're doing, they're paid appropriately. Where are we with pay equity? I saw in some of the background that I read about you that 
80% of what men make is what we as women make. Mm -hmm. Equal pay won't happen for women until 2059. 2119 for black women, 2224 for Hispanic women. What is that all about? Where are we with pay equity? We haven't moved the needle, although we've increased the public awareness. So since the turn of this century, we were hovering around 80% at that time. We've gotten much more awareness of the issue, but we haven't gotten that the needle moves and stays. We've had years where it gets smaller, but then it backtracks. And where I focus is on the process of hiring, the embedded unconscious biases yes. that are in hiring that, well, this is how we do it. No one thinks about it, like the use of salary history, the fact that you don't include the pay of the job. My favorite one that no one talks about, and hopefully I get more people talking about it, is 85% of employers target median pay when they hire someone for the compensation. That seems innocuous enough, but think about it. That's the median pay of men and women, and we know men make more. And to close the gap, we have to actually earn the same median pay as men, but we're actually targeting a mathematical number that is always lower than men. Now, how are we going to get there? I have to wonder if we hurt ourselves sometimes during the negotiation process because of lack of confidence. And we know that lack of confidence is what causes fear. Fear of having your offer rescinded, fear of not knowing when you should start the negotiation, fear of appearing greedy, fear of hearing no. These are the four fears that you've outlined. Tell us a little bit about each one. Well, it's a skill set to negotiate. Any skill set that we learned the first time, you know, if you're going rollerblading or horseback riding or bike riding or whatever, you're fearful you're going to fall. And it's the same thing with negotiating. The first time you do it, you're fearful you're going to fall, which means rescission of the job or even lower pay than they would have given you if you didn't negotiate. You know, there's just, or they hate you the rest of the life that you're working there. <laughs> you know, there's all these things that come up. And some of it is based in fact. Don't get me wrong. There is definitely a witch connotation, depending on how you negotiate, that women get. There's ways to erase it, but you have to know how to do that. Without negotiating, because 84% of employers expect it, at least 84% of offers are not the best offer. There's always at least a penny more, because if they expect negotiation, they have to have money for that. Do you think as women we worry about people not liking us if we're not nice during the negotiation process? Is that where the witchy thing comes in? Well, it's shown in studies. Yeah. You can be as nice as you want. You're still going to because it's unexpected. A man can go in and say you're offered a job for 50000 mm -hmm. and you're like, ah, it should be sixty. I would never take fifty. That's an insult. If a woman said those exact same words, she would be a witch. A man, he's a go-getter. He That's knows right. what he wants. We can still get there. We just have to do it differently. It's really more about, I call it, showing a little sugar, like the Southerners. Give me use. an example. Oh, Candy, you have been in this industry for so long, and I can learn so much from you that I would never learn from anyone else. This job is really meant for me, and I know I'll learn a lot from you. But Candy, that offer is lower than what the market is right now. I'd be crazy to take it. Sugar-coated, but yeah. very effective. Yeah, and I never said a number there, and I never said a no. Fear of not knowing when you should start yes. the negotiation. Walk us through that. When is the perfect time? Everyone thinks they should be negotiating it while they're interviewing. 
All you do then is give them a reason to say no to you and move on to the next candidate. Mm -hmm. You have to wait till you're actually given the job offer. Then negotiate it. Then you can negotiate not just pay, but the schedule you want, the title, the other assistance, the vacation, whatever you need. You know, you just mentioned the word title. And to be honest with you, I remember a negotiation uh, years and years ago where I was delighted if I was going to be paid more, but I needed the title. Do you think that sometimes we'll take less money if we just get the title we want? If we do, we just made the gap even bigger. You made a 20% problem into a 30% problem. Sorry. So don't do that, (laughs) please. Please. And actually, I ask recruiters all the time about that. Who are you giving promotions to without pay raises? It's always the women. Men don't get that. Fear of appearing greedy. Yes. I love that companies actually say this to people and say it with a straight face. We're worried you're just in this for the money. Excuse me, it would be volunteering or a hobby if I wasn't in work for the money. I think, isn't it the saying, aren't we just trying to put food on the table? Isn't that the idea of working for a living? Yeah. Fear of hearing the word no. It's not a negotiation unless you hear the word no. My job is to have people get comfortable with it. No is the beginning of the negotiation. And some people say no is not really no. It's just part of the conversation. It's the dance. It's the first step. You do a lot of public speaking workshops on equal pay, and you're a commentator for major media outlets. What is the question you are asked the most, along with what is your answer? Probably when to negotiate. Will the job be rescinded? Yeah. The jobs aren't rescinded. I know of three times it has been. The most recent, actually, was a company pulled the offer because the person actually asked for details on the health care before they accepted any offer. Because I'm sorry, if you get a plan that the deductible is 5000 and they're only paying 20% of the premium, it's very different <laughs> than a plan where the deductible is 1000 sure. and they're paying 80%. And that makes a huge difference in the package. They thought she was being an indication that a lawyer was involved in the process, and they couldn't have that. Do you feel, Katie Donovan, like a trailblazer for women in the workforce? Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. These days, more and more people are working from home. When your computer breaks down, you lose business. This is Dave Elmasian, president of TechHelpBoston.com. Our tech experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer. Same day, next day, and weekends too. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted us since 2000. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. I feel like an oddball. (laughs) You feel like an oddball? Yes. All right, explain that to me. I tend to see things differently, and I go in areas that most people aren't focusing in. So where a lot of the effort is on unconscious bias and training of employees for that, and effort on work-life balance, I'm the boring person looking at process. And I'm hanging there by myself, and I got people to pay attention for salary history, starting to get people to pay attention for posting the pay on the ads. I'm kind of waving in the field by myself, waiting for people to to come and join me on that one. So there's a lot of other things for people to join me on. Well, it's interesting that you should say that you go into places that other people don't go, which is the reason why I think you're a trailblazer. 
But I want to know where that comes from. I always like to ask women who sit where you sit to tell us a little bit about their upbringing. What was the message in your house when you were growing up? I grew up in Chelsea, Mass. So I'm a city girl. Uh, For those who are not familiar with Chelsea, Mass, at the time when I started college, it was the poorest city in our state. And I proudly shared the chronicle episode of that story with all my classmates at a very nice liberal arts school. And they're like, who is this lady? I also come from a family where my father was a politician and in professional sports. So we had all kinds of weird, exciting, interesting people in our lives. But mostly I came from a family that it was about family. We could rip each other apart, but God forbid anyone else try to. We were there to support each other. We were there to help anyone less fortunate than us. And we were there to treat absolutely everyone the same. Well, you have a name, Katie Donovan, and you come from Chelsea, Massachusetts. So I'm sorry, but you you sound like a sweet Irish girl. Yes. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about your dad. Back in the 80s, he was executive VP at the Red Sox. He started as a bat boy way back in the 40s. What a fun job. Yeah. Not the bat boy part. No, that was a more fun job, I think. I really do. (laughs) So VP for the Red Sox. So you got to go to the games all the time. I grew up going to baseball games. Do you love baseball? I like it a lot. It's my connection. (laughs) She said carefully. No, it's my connection to my father, to be honest. He's passed away 20-odd years ago. I mean, it's been a long time. He sounds like he had a rich life. He had an interesting life, definitely. He got us to look at life that anything's possible. What did you learn from him? What was the best piece of advice your dad ever gave you? Life isn't fair. And it's an amazing piece of advice because it taught me to always have a different argument than it's not fair because everything's not fair in life. And you're just one of a million people. I saw it in doing the bill on equal pay. If our argument was it's not fair, we weren't going to get anyone's attention. We had to have other data. Tell me a little about your mom. Mom was a teacher when she met dad. Uh, She's a Boston girl. Dad was from Chelsea. She's of the age where she had to quit teaching when she got pregnant with my oldest sister. And then she became stay-at-home mom for a while, then got into real estate. She always had different things going on. A little bit of an entrepreneur for her then, huh? Definitely. We all need someone who believes in us, Katie. Who was that person for you? It's varied over the years, depending on what I do. But I would say my siblings overall, they may not get it, but they support it. So they're the ones who are around the most. Where does your work ethic come from? I didn't think of it as a work ethic. It was just life. You just did things. You grew up. You walked to school. You did your homework right away. You stuffed envelopes for whatever candidate we knew that week who was running for something. We got summer jobs. It's just how you lived. Your mission demands that you find a way around old thinking, that you believe life isn't fair. But let's see if we can change some things that don't work well. Yes. Sometimes unintended biases that you have to work around. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I look for the easiest way possible. I don't think we need to oversweat it. I'd rather take longer to get around it than do it a million different times. Tell me what is the best piece of career advice you have received. This is going to sound callous, (laughs) but it's really good advice, especially for women. It is easier to ask forgiveness 
than permission. We women ask for way too much permission for way too many things. And the more you just start doing it, the more comfortable you'll be in expanding your horizons and doing things that you never thought you should or could. I had shared with you the negotiation that I went through where obviously I was delighted to be receiving some pay increase. But for me, at that point in my career, I needed the stripes because without them, I didn't have the ability to do what I wanted to do. And you said, "Uh uh-oh, you know, not a good idea. In your experience, what is the big change in mindset that we as women need to appreciate and understand in order to move the dial? I don't think it's a woman issue. It's the guys have to stop protecting their privilege. That's what it comes down to. I'll give an example. Years ago, probably like five or six at this point, I was invited to speak to a college class. A friend of mine from my college was a professor or still is a professor doing very well. And she's like, come speak to my class. I was like, okay, cool. And I go and I tell the story of pay inequity and leadership inequity. That's a huge part of it. We women, the very first step up, we just don't promote at the same level as men. I say one of the contributing factors is referrals. Something like 90% of people who are referred by managers or above at a corporation get hired. Well, there is no way mathematically that they're right 90% of the time. And I talked about how different things you can do to normalize and equalize and standardize things so that people of color, people with disabilities, women, all the groups who are constantly pushed down a little have a better chance. Mm. And this very adorable 20-year-old white gentleman jumped up. But I have a buddy. My, you know, my godfather is the VP of. I was like, yeah. Doesn't mean you're the right candidate, though. (laughs) And it's that acknowledging that privilege first, that that all of us don't have our godfather as the VP of whatever company, (laughs) and acknowledging that things need to change a little. You know, there's an expression, and I can't remember where it comes from, but it has to do with, as women, we have to stand on each other's shoulders to create change. Mm -hmm. Do you think we help each other enough? Yes. We help each other a lot in a lot of different ways. The idea I had about laws for equal pay would never have happened Mm. without a million other people supporting it and getting involved. And 99.9% of them were women. My personal experience, absolutely. But for whether it's babysitting, whether it's helping covering work because you have an idea and you don't know how to pitch it to the boss, well, let's go to coffee and figure it out together. There's a million ways we all support each other. It's the little times that we don't that make the media and stay in our minds. I'd rather we forget those and focus on the support. You know, we've been doing a lot of research on who listens to this podcast series. And we have 60 countries around the world that are listening to this show. Congratulations. Some of the women who are listening to this show live in countries where they don't have the same rights that men do. Could you reach out to them and give them some sense of hope? We don't always have to have the same rights in writing. Actually, I think women were very creative prior to a lot of the pay and equal rights of women in the U.S., where you would get men to think they had that idea and implement exactly what you want. 
Most Sometimes you have to be creative. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Are you saying maybe we add a little more sugar? Add a little more sugar. Use the resources available to you. You don't need to take credit to make progress. You uh, just need to make progress. progress. Yes. That's good advice. Success means different things to different people. And I've learned, especially in different chapters of our lives, right now where you are, what does success mean to you, Katie Donovan? Impact and options. So to actually be having impact on individuals as well as society. Choices, to have the option to, I'll stay here, I'll do that, I'll take this job, I'll take that gig, I'll take this client. That's true success. When you can do what you want when you want it and know that you're being paid equally. That's success. I want to say thank you so much for what you're doing oh, for, for you. women and for minorities everywhere, but also for sharing your story here on the story behind her success. Thank you, Candy. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?